millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome to episode 14 of How I Quit Alcohol and today I'm in the Zoom room with the gorgeous Peter Thompson. Hi Peter, how are you going? Hey Danny, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. Peter's over in Canada, so <laughs> but you're Australian. That's right. Yeah, so Peter reached out to me on Instagram and shared a bit of her story so I asked if I could drag her into the podcast realm <laughs> to share her stories. So, yeah. So firstly, thank you again for joining us and, and being brave enough to share your story. Can you tell us a bit about you and your background with alcohol? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I don't consider myself a raging alcoholic or anything like that, but like most people, we, we all drink too much. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it just came to the point where I had to stop. Um, so I guess I came from a really masculine lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I uh, joined the army when I was 17 and not long after that started skydiving, which then became my life. Um, So I was basically surrounded by masculine energy and as a young, easily influenced teenage female, you think that in order to be a, a strong, respectable woman, you have to be one of those guys, mm. um, which basically just meant also drinking with them mm. <laughs> and drinking as much as them, mm. <laughs> which I did for a really long time. Um, wow. And I mean, it got to the point where I be having a wine per their beer. You don't do that. No, God, <laughs> no. <laughs> Jeez, woman, your liver must be hard ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another one, one of the reasons why I stopped. You know, I started to really learn the effects that alcohol has on the body and it's terrifying. 
Like, mm. yeah. So I started skydiving young, um, lived that masculine lifestyle. And when I came over to Canada, I was forced to have a break from skydiving. Um, because of the season change. And during that time, I did my yoga teacher training, which forced me to slow down, <laughs> have a good look at myself, feel the benefits of healing. Yeah, eventually that led to me quitting alcohol. And now I just, I'll never, I'll never drink again. Now that yeah. I can just, I can see what it's done to me and making that change has done um, yeah. to my body and just breaking that, that line of alcoholism, um, society just drinks and especially in Australia um, coming to Canada actually made it a little easier to make that cut away because mm. um, the, the drinking society um, it's not as strong over here but um yeah so I'll never go back <laughs> yeah well it's it's that thing too like keeping up with the boys I've been there myself and done that um you know a lot of my friends particularly in my younger years were all guys Oh, you know, I had girlfriends as well, but I did do a lot of drinking with the with the guys. And I remember as well, like trying to keep up with the boys and they're bigger than us and they, they can handle a lot more, you know, mostly. That's a really, I can imagine that's a pretty dangerous place to go to, like with your body, trying to keep up that level. Mm-hmm, that toxicity absolutely. level is was huge. Yeah. And I mean, being a female in a male dominant sport and just lifestyle mm. in general, um, you, you're always constantly battling to, to be what, do what they can do. And be and, accepted. And be accepted. I mean, it was ingrained in me when I was 17 in the army that the females had to do what the males did. And there were no excuses. You couldn't complain. You, you had to keep up. And then I guess I took that with me into skydiving. And I, I always wanted to be a tandem instructor when I started jumping. When I eventually did in 2015, I was one of eight women in Australia amongst hundreds of men. So I always had something to prove. Mm. If, if one of the other guys in the room took somebody that was 105 kilos, I would have to take 106 kilos. If they did this many push-ups, <laughs> I had to do this many push-ups. Oh you know, it God. was always like it was, I was always trying to prove something and, yeah. and then you get praised for it and then you get a bit of a dopamine hit. So then you think, oh, that makes me feel good. I'm going to keep doing that because yeah. I don't respect and yeah. – same goes, you know, you have to go out and drink with the boys in order to earn that respect. But that was like my subconscious thinking that it wasn't real. No. Respected the girls that weren't doing that way more than me. <laughs> I know. And that's the hard thing. It's like we have this idea and we have this programming in our brain that we think that people will see us a certain way or people would like us to be a certain way when often that's just our own bullshit. That's our own story. And yeah. often that's never the case. Like you say, they might've mm. preferred you not drunk. Totally. And it's, it's interesting too, because there were a lot of women around me that I wasn't a good friend to because I was too busy trying to be one of the guys. And wow. I have memories of, you know, being at a party and a girl who was supposed to be a friend of mine, is was crying because she's grieving over a lost loved one and oh. she's drunk right so in my eyes I'm like oh she's just drunk crying I don't have time for this what are those guys over there doing they look like they're having way more fun I'm gonna go over there and like what kind of a friend does that but there were <laughs> so many so many cases where 
I was like, okay, I don't have time for those girls. I've got time for these guys because I need to prove myself to them. And it was mm. so stupid. <laughs> mm. So hard when you, ha- when you do look back on things like that and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't a very good friend there. And the great thing about now going forward is you can be a great friend. Like I feel like I'm such a much better friend and a more present friend now mm. than I ever was. For sure. And like I've listened to all of your other podcasts and I, I noticed a um, repeating factor that I've heard from you is that you don't like shit talk. And no. <laughs> all, all of those DNMs, quote, end quote, oh. um, that you have <laughs> when you're drinking. Oh, God. <laughs> Cringe. You're, you're literally hiding behind a defense wall of booze. Like you never would have had that conversation sober, no matter how deep it came from within you. Eventually when I, when I let go of drinking and I really went down the track of um, yoga and meditation and I've surrounded myself with all of these really, really loving humans that really, really talk from the deepest part of their heart and their being. And that is where their respect is. You can oh. say anything behind a bottle, but oh, yeah. can you sit there sober and really talk from your heart and mean it? And that mm. uh, that's something that I really cherish that I've learned over the last couple of years, um, but definitely since I quit drinking. Just, I mean, you can talk so much and just literally draw tears out of people because you mean what you say. And um, I teach yoga and meditation now and, like, I cry sometimes because of, just like the raw emotion that you get out of people doing that defense wall of alcohol. It's just, it's cheating. <laughs> you wouldn't even really be able to go there. I, I'd admit, you know, like just getting yourself to that place, that really pure place. You can't do that when you're pissed and it's just no. so inauthentic, you know? For sure. Yeah. And the amount of heated arguments and, fights and like I have destroyed relationships with friends with like best friends just you know partners all sorts of things because I was drinking like fighting over things that didn't even exist (laughs) you know what I mean and like sometimes that's irreparable yeah yeah or you say too much or you butt your nose in where you shouldn't and one thing I found too I don't think I've addressed this in the podcast is that sometimes you're drinking friends you see them so often and you do the same thing over and over again that all that's left sometimes is to gossip or to be right up in their business you know and there's a certain boundary that comes with sobriety which I love so much like I'm a bit of an oversharer anyway, in case you, <laughs> you've probably gathered that. But um, trying to be an oversharer and a drunk one, my God. But it's not just that. Don't you find that there's a, just a bit of a boundary that comes up? And it's not a boundary as in, like, I love to let my guard down and let, and let mm. people in. I love to be raw and honest. But it's different. The sobriety, there's a, I don't know, it's just this, yeah. it's a different form of openness. And, yeah, for um, sure. That's what I was saying too. Yeah, when you're with the same people all the time and you're drunk and you're just going through this cycle, it's not meaningful and you start mm-hmm. searching for things to talk about probably subconsciously because you're looking for new material, I guess. And that's I don't find that that's not very healthy. And I know with my friends that I see now, we, we're not in each other's pockets as much as the drinking friends. Ash yeah. and I talk about that often. You know, we see people just a nice amount now <laughs> and they're not all up in our grill and we're not up in their grill. Yeah. And I like that. And I think that one of the reasons that could be is because when you're drinking a lot, you're afraid of being alone. And yeah. once you 
disconnect from that, you realize the value in in being alone and and stillness and you learn to observe everything that's going on in your own life. You know, Mm. when when you're hiding behind the bottle, there's an element of depression involved in that. And Mm. you're always like, hey, what are you doing? Let's go to the pub because you just can't, you just can't have that alone time. And what you're saying about like oversharing, my mum's favorite quote is loose lips sink ships. Always, always said too much. And then that falls under that um, anxiety that you guys talk about. You you wake up the next morning, like, what did I say? I can't undo that now. What did I share that I wasn't supposed to? I know. Or the guys of just being honest. Well, it's just being honest. You know, they needed to. No, they fucking didn't. Like they needed some, you know, support or, or whatever it is. They didn't need you to bust your honesty on them. And that would give yeah. me the worst, the worst anxiety. I think, sure. you know. A wise man once said nothing. It's another one of my favorite quotes. I always yeah. respected the people that were able to sit there and just, you know, say the right things at the right time while I'm sitting there just blah, 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 blah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Did you have a rock bottom moment or did you have like, what led you to wanting to quit? I, okay, so kind of a couple of steps back before that. I I was diagnosed with celiac disease when I was 23. I, you know, I never ate gluten intentionally, but there were times where I would by mistake and I would be violently ill. So I took that really, really seriously. And sometimes, you know, I would just be by the toilet throwing up for hours or days. And, you know, I would, my housemates would be concerned about me and it was just a horrible thing, but I took so much pride and care in looking after that side of my health that I looked at my hangovers that I was having and it made no sense to me that I would inflict that exact amount of trauma to my body Mm. and and Mm. illness on purpose. And it's like you separate the, the consequences. It's like when I got gluten, I would feel sorry for myself. When I have a hangover it's self-inflicted so it's like oh well but it's the same thing (laughs) yeah Yeah. doesn't make any sense so my um red wine hangovers got worse and worse to the point where I could not do that to myself anymore um my partner Mitch quit drinking a couple of months before I did and there's a photo of us on our fridge a wedding that we went to um it's a really nice photo. We're all dolled up, you know, in our nice clothes. Um, but when we look at that photo, it was the last hangover we ever had. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a bad one. It was the worst one I've ever seen um, Mitch have. And it was probably one of the worst ones I've had too. And we had to drive home from Whistler. So it was a good few hours. I had to pull over repeatedly so that I could throw up on the oh, way home. <laughs> aren't they the worst? Oh, it was horrible. And I felt like I had knives in my brain. So we have that photo on the fridge, one, because it's nice, and two, because it's a reminder of the last hangover we'll ever have. And it's a good feeling to, to see that and to know that that'll never happen again. Oh, my God. And how um, are those hangovers where they just – and you're actually vomiting the next day and you feel like, I swear to you, God, if I – just let me feel better and I will never drink again. Well, luckily you did. I mean, good on you. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. There was one hangover that I had where I threw up probably every 10 minutes for about five hours straight. I don't know how my body even survived that, but it was so bad. (laughs) Oh, isn't it funny when you've got some distance between it to look back and you just think, how the fuck did I put my body Mm. through that? Holy shit. I I can't stand being sick now because I... I'm so busy and I feel so amazing, you know, to get even a cold now. I'm just like, what? No, 
yet, yeah. you know, I was doing that every weekend, like making yeah. myself sick every weekend. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. And now like I'll, I'll smell booze on someone. Um, no disrespect to them, no judging whatsoever, but it's repulsing to me um, to to think that I know how they're going to feel later and what that's doing to their body and just that, you know, that smell, that alcohol coming out of your pores that my mum used to tell me I smell like all the time. (laughs) I remember that smell. Yeah, I just, like, I smell that now on people and I'm like, oh, I'm so thankful that that's not me now. Yeah. And um, it never will be again. Yeah, (laughs) that feeling eternally grateful and I've always Mm -hmm. said that if you're going to quit anything whatever it is that you're quitting alcohol cigarettes sweet food junk food whatever never feel like you're giving up something you always be grateful for the fact that you've given yourself this gift and that you are not no longer a slave to that but no longer having to do this to yourself anymore and that there's freedom I think what if you people go into that mindset of I'm missing out or I have to do it or you know there's all this willpower involved Mm -hmm. it just doesn't work really it's all about looking at the positives and all that you gain so it was what was holding you back so it sounds like you're did you have a bit of an up and down like for me Mm. before I quit I'd have times of quitting or feeling like that's Mm -hmm. it I'm not doing this anymore and then within a month I was back to you know arms around the the porcelain again (laughs) Uh yeah did you have that as well for me I found that uh when I moved to Byron I was drinking a lot more because it's the lifestyle there, you know, it's the sunny pubs and just all the amazing hospitality. And we Mm. finished work pretty early in the day. So I would leave work, go have lunch with my best mate. And then we would have a, I would drink with lunch and then he would leave and go to his home to do his thing. And I would keep drinking because I couldn't stop at one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of us. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, And then I found that I was, you know, cancelling my personal training appointments and and not doing things that I had made commitments to do that were good for me because I was like, once you have those drinks, you're done. That's it. You're not doing anything (laughs) else in that day. Mm, Yeah. Um, So I, I... I, know, I didn't notice until I left Byron how frequently I was drinking. I came over to Canada and I, I think about a year went by and I was just drinking the same amount um, with Mitch, my partner, and then we both quit on New Year's Day 2019, so last year, mm-hmm. for three months. And then we went home to Australia for a visit and the sun was shining, the pubs were calling. We were there visiting all our friends and our family. <laughs> oh, so no. we actually gave ourselves permission to drink again. You know, we did three months. It was like, cool, we've done that. Let's just go back to normal. And then we came back to Canada and drank for a few more months, but not as much. And then Mitch decided to quit and then I followed him like two months later and neither of us have drunk again but yeah it was just those those crazy hangovers and the write-off days those Sundays that I'll never get back (laughs) yeah oh god I know yeah Yeah. I used to think I liked the hangover too I used to think it makes me kind of quirky or you know and good excuse to eat junk food but oh my god no never I used to take a lot of pride in how Often I was hungover and handled it. And now I look back at that. I'm like, that is not something to be proud of. (laughs) (laughs) I know that one. Oh my God. So it's great that you guys have done it together. That that was definitely what helped with Ash and I doing it together. So Mm. he's quit. And then do you think that was a sort of catalyst as well for you to go, oh, I might join him? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Um, He stopped drinking and I, I didn't 
you know, I didn't feel that I was going to. And then I just noticed that I wasn't <laughs> ah. because, because he wasn't. And I didn't really want to drink in front of him. Not that he needed me to not drink in front of him. He was totally fine on his own. But I was just like, well, what's the point? You know, we started playing board games and cards and just doing stuff. And then I just noticed that a bunch of time had gone by. So I kind of looked at the calendar and I realized that almost two or three months had gone by and I hadn't had a sip of alcohol. So then I decided to just just start counting time as well. And then before I knew it, all these months went by and then I was like, hey, I don't drink and I'm really proud yeah. of that. Yeah. And I feel great. And and I look back and I don't remember the last time I felt depressed. I don't remember the last time I felt angry. I don't remember the last time I felt sick. I have not spewed since I quit drinking. Everything's good. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay with being in stillness on my own now. I'm observing my body, my feelings, my emotions. I practice meditation regularly. Um, I'm just so aware and just so in control and things just don't set you off anymore. Like I used to be a bit of a hothead. I used to be quite fiery, you know, I'd argue with people all the time and I I don't anymore. And a lot of that is probably um, because of the yoga and just everything that I've learned. But a lot of it is also probably because my body's not fighting inflammation and poison. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) So true. But I've been at that as well, you know, like get hotheaded and things like that too, which give me anxiety as well the next day for sure. And it's not only the night that you're drinking that you get hot-headed and angry it's days after as well yeah it it just continues and then you drink again and then you get angry and then like for me um I was doing skydiving for a job I was attaching humans to my body and then saying hey fight or flight let's jump out of a plane and see how you go and then (laughs) I'm stressed I get home I'm tired my body's full of adrenaline and cortisol stress hormones what do I do to mask that I go to the pub and drink with my mates because it makes me feel good Mm. which is then putting my body even further into stress Mm. which then makes you angry it makes you an angry person. Like, yeah, maybe so not true. everyone, but mm-hmm. for me, if someone said to me, "Well, what's the good bit about drinking?" I'd be like, right now, I'd be like, totally. nothing. No. <laughs> there is no good bit. Do you have that? Yeah. Like, what's the good sure. bit to you? Like when I think I was thinking about today because I was trying to think about you know how this conversation was going to go, and I think back to when I was really young. I was very very shy. I used to hide behind my brother. We were very close in age, and we lived out of town, and I. Like I didn't talk to anyone except for my mum, my dad and my brother and my really closest friends. I was so afraid of everything and everyone and eventually, you know, grew out of that. But I started drinking as we all do and then I continued to hide behind the alcohol. Mm. So you think that you have this courage now, this confidence. So, yeah, I'm having fun. Like I'm doing all these fun things because I'm drinking and I'm making people laugh, more dopamine. And then... You, you look back now and it was all just, you were just hiding behind something else. You're always hiding behind something. And yeah. now I feel like I've cracked that open and I'm, I'm free, you know, like I have nothing to hide behind anymore. And th- no, there's nothing good about alcohol. Nothing. Yeah, there is literally nothing. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and she's like, yeah, but I love it. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't want to say too much because unless someone comes to me for yeah some coaching or something like that, I, I try not to 
you know, bust my knowledge on people, especially my friends or family, because it's everyone's journey and you've got to respect that. Mm-hmm. Oh, but my God, when she said that, there was so much I wanted to say in that moment. <laughs> no, but why? You know, but you're so much more or, you know, you're yeah. so beautiful. You don't need that. When you are meant to find it, you will. Yeah. Like when I tell people from Byron and from just other places I've lived in Australia that I don't drink anymore, they are like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. What's going on in the world if you're not drinking? Like I'm associated as Peter with a wine bottle. Like, yeah, you know, that's not my identity, but I love to drink and everyone kind of that I had fun times with, there was wine involved. And that's another thing that you're afraid to lose is yes. all of your friends and your social, like, what are you going to do if you're not drinking? No one's going to want to hang out with you. It's that fear of missing out, right? Yeah. And um, like one of the reasons that I wanted to come on this podcast was because when I shared uh, Shane's on Facebook, I couldn't believe how many people that I know reached out to me. <laughs> Yeah, And they're like, they just asked me a whole list of questions. Like, how did you deal with social situations? How did you deal with this and that? Yeah, it was tricky in the beginning. Like you, you have to, you know, everyone's got their method of mm. dealing with it, but eventually mm. it gets easier. People learn that you don't drink and they don't offer you a drink anymore and they don't care. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing that you realize too, that actually they don't care that much. Or sometimes no. they do. Like some of my closest friends, my drinking buddies would be like, come on, just one, you know, but they mm-hmm. kind of know now it's not going to happen. So yeah, they don't even bother to go there. And most people are really respectful. And if yeah. your friends, are, if they really love you, then they're there, you know, whatever. And if yeah. they would rather you be drunk and harming yourself, then clearly maybe it's time for new friends. <laughs> totally. And that was one thing that I took away from it. Like it's, it's unfortunate, but you are going to lose people. Um, mm. they're going to let you go and it's, it's for the best really, yeah. because if they, if they only want to be friends with you when you're fun because you're drinking, then they're not your friends. No, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, I tell adults this all the time and myself, uh, same conversation I have with my kids, <laughs> you know, like if someone mm. doesn't like you for who you are, then they need to go. And it's <laughs> the same, isn't it? It's like, no matter what yeah. age you are, we all want to be accepted. And now I feel respected now. For sure. Yeah. You know, not just accepted, but respected. And I I respect myself as yep. well. Yeah. It's nice to know that if shit hits the fan, you can get in the car and drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. And you don't have to rely on anybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and one thing, um, one another thing that I've noticed is that when I was drinking, like all the time, and I had friends that didn't drink that much, maybe like at a party here and there, but they weren't big drinkers. Mm. I always respected how much they were able to have fun sober and I couldn't do that. I had to wait for that booze to kick in before I was a fun person and and I relied on that. Yeah. And now I, I always envied it, you know. I was like, oh, I wish I wish that when I walked in the room everyone was excited to see me like they are these people. And now I am that person. I have more fun and I'm way more connected to like my playful inner child now than I ever was when I was a drinker because I'm not waiting for something, you know, like it's just there. It's just there. (laughs) It's just like, it's just waiting. It's there all the time. Like this is really embarrassing, but I did a a 5k run the other day, which was a goal I was walking, working towards. And I was right. Yeah. I was really stoked. And I was running back and 
I was listening. I love Elton John. I had Elton John blaring in my headphones and the sun was rising and I was just like jumping up and down into the sun and I would have looked like an absolute loony and I probably would have been really judgy of that person a few years back, <laughs> this person there <laughs> jumping. Yeah, yeah. But I feel yeah. like that. I feel so playful. And um, yeah. Gabe um, Christmas, who was on a few weeks back, mm-hmm. she said the same. She said she wakes up every morning and she wants to run and jump and play and you know, where she was so depressed for so many years before that. And it just brings out that, yeah, inner child. It's just so beautiful. Yeah, I know. I love it. I love it so much. And I'm just always playing now. Mitch and I just run around the house like children all the time. It's so, it's so funny. <laughs> People probably so, be crazy, but it's yeah. just nice. We're healthy and we're happy. And, and and another a big thing that I can attest to is that I started doing yoga. If mm. I never found yoga, maybe I never would have quit drinking. I don't know, mm. but it was a game changer. I started doing yoga when I was about 23 and I, cause I was feeling pretty depressed back then. Like I, I didn't know why I just felt sad all the time. There was no, nothing that I could tie that to. And eventually I, I discovered yoga and everything started to feel better and put me on this path of health and well-being. And mm. it's probably the biggest reason why I ended up quitting alcohol and really, really focusing on my health. And, um, eventually I did my yoga teacher training, as I said, and, I, I notice things in my body now, like I practice mindfulness. So if something, if I feel irritated, I'm able to figure out why that is and let it go rather than hissing at people and just like getting mm. angry at people. And you just learn to like let people do what they do. It's none of your business what anyone does. Yeah. Everything's just easier now. Yoga is so great like that. Uh, apart from the asanas, the the moves, the, <laughs> but yeah. the whole concept of yoga. But I love that in the movements and in the poses, I'm not a a yoga freak by any means, but I do do yoga, I practice yoga, but, um, you know, in the moves and you can feel what's uncomfortable. Oh, this is uncomfortable. This is right. But Mm -hmm. trying to still the mind, still the mind and be uncomfortable. And that's just this whole metaphor for life almost just, this stuff comes and it's uncomfortable sometimes, but hold that pose, like hold yeah. it and stay strong. And eventually it gets easier. When yeah. I first, before I started yoga with Lissy, who I had on the mm-hmm. podcast, I couldn't touch my toes. And that this is, <sighs> I was still drinking heavily. I remember going on a yoga retreat with her in, uh, in Bali. She was running this amazing retreat and I turned up one day pissed. Oh. <laughs> he was pissed. <laughs> How bad is that? She was just looking at me just like going on because she'd been sober for, you know, years. Yeah. <laughs> me, oh, Danny. Fucking. <laughs> she just sort of, but I was just, oh, I'm in Bali. I'm just drinking, you know, and I'm like, what a dick. Oh, God. Mm. Some of the things. You know, I did things. the same on because I've done two yoga teacher trainings and uh, on the first one in Nelson over here, I, um, I was too hungover to go to the, the to the like the send off kind of thing. Like the very last day, I, I couldn't get out of bed. <laughs> it was so bad. No one knows that though. I mean, they're probably going to. They do it. now, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. Whatever. They all drank with me, but the, they were all fine. I wasn't. <laughs> but it's like it's yoga, you know. Like you don't yeah. get that drunk when you're on a yoga thing, and then not show up for something that's not okay. <laughs> oh my god. But, you know, live and learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really. So how about your relationship? How did that change? Like I know with Ash and I, our relationship just mm-hmm. phew, went out, the, you know, amazing. 
So we have not. Uh, we've not had a heated argument, a disagreement, anything over a year. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's so great. Like you're just patient with each other, you know. Like now that both of us are not drinking, we completely understand each other. We can read the situation. Um, if one of us isn't feeling great, we'll give each other space or mm. or whatever. And and probably the fact that we both practice yoga and meditate regularly helps. Um, yeah. But yeah, just the, we don't we don't have arguments ever. Like we treat each other with so much respect, and it's great. Yeah. yeah, we definitely had an argument or two way back before we quit drinking, and I reckon a hundred percent of them were alcohol induced. Oh, same. <laughs> a lot. Most of our arguments would be when we were pissed, and you got yeah. no idea what you're really even <laughs> fighting for, but you know that you're right. Oh, I'm yeah. right. I oh, was right. Totally. And then you've got to stay pissed off the next day just to, yeah. just to you know, because I can't quite remember what, what happened, what happened. Well, I'll just stay pissed off anyway just to, yeah. <laughs> to prove a point. I mean, how ridiculous. Now it's like we have this bubble. We're in this little bubble and mm-hmm. keep each other safe in this bubble. And we talk yeah. about our bubble a bit. And it's like even if we're going somewhere, where it's, you know, that we keep our bubble intact mm-hmm. and in our day-to-day, you know, raising kids and everything. It's about keeping each other safe in this bubble and not letting that burst. And yep. there's just this softness to it, this gentleness, and mm-hmm. which is really lovely. And I think when you're both on a journey together of, of getting sober and getting well and, and expanding as humans together, it's mm-hmm. so amazing for your relationship. Yeah, 100%. You know? Yeah, it's it's a real we gift. We're lucky that we've been on the same path from the mm. beginning, and um, you know when we go to a, a social situation or scenario or whatever here, where the two Aussies, the two non-drinkers, like because <laughs> we live in Abbotsford, so we're slightly out, outside of Vancouver, so we're a little bit away. So we're also the outsiders in that way as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's just nice we're together and we're a team and we can look out for each other and like, we'll, you know, we'll both have a coffee and we'll take our coffee with us to the party. And yeah. um, Mitch will take a bunch of um, like flavored soda water. I just drink water, but he likes that having the can and cracking it open and having something to drink in your hand. He likes that because it's habitual. Whereas, yeah. I mean, I was a wine drinker anyway. So my wine glass would usually be sitting on a table while I was dancing. So I don't Mm. really feel like I need to have something in my hands, but Mm. yeah, it's just so much more easy being on the same path. Oh, absolutely. Do you still dance at parties? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm always, (laughs) I'm still always the first one. (laughs) I know. I think I'm better at a party now. For sure. I find that I have um, meaningful conversations at parties now, like how I was saying earlier that I didn't have time for people, um, that I wasn't trying to impress mm. like girls that, you know, cause I, I was very detached from my feminine side back then. And now I'm not. So I just didn't have time for that kind of conversation. But now the, the meaningful conversations that I have with people are valuable and they are really listening to me and I am really listening to them. And it's so mm. nice. Mm. Whereas before it was like, what can I say that's going to impress you? Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's such a big one, isn't it? Just this yeah. sort of, it's something I'm going through at the moment. It's just like this incessant need for people to like me, like me, like me, like me, please like me, you know, I'll say, do whatever, you know, I'll laugh at your (laughs) jokes or whatever. (laughs) 
I just don't want to be that. I want people to like me, of course, because we all do, but I want mm-hmm. people to like me for me, not for exactly. any other reason. I just want to come to a situation or to, to people in my purest form. I feel that I can do that, you know, now. And it's taken a long time too. You know, it takes a while to rebuild, particularly if you've had a, your self-esteem issues or confidence issues. It takes yeah. some time. But every time you do something or get through a little barrier or a little mini goal, it's easier yeah. and you, you become stronger and, oh, my God, it's so mm-hmm. good. It's so good. Yeah. I wish I could just just give everyone this crystal ball and go, I know the answer. <laughs> I know the answer that's going to change your life. Just don't drink anymore because it's so life-changing. Not Definitely not for people that could. I've got friends that can have a glass of wine you know, yeah. once a week or something. And there's no issue there at all. But for the, mm. I'm talking to the people that, that can't stop like how we were. The thing I wanted to ask you, because it keeps popping up in every podcast, when I ask most people what was stopping them, they're concerned mm. about their social life. They're, they're worried about their friends, yep. what they think. So, and you thought that as well. Yeah. So how long did that take for you to just sort of come to terms with that? I think my situation um, is a little different because I moved away. Yeah, that's true. If, if I was still in Byron, I think I would have struggled with this a whole lot more. Mm. Um, I, the fact that I was over here and I was doing it with someone who was also doing it and we spend most of our time together anyway, that transition was way easier. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it's the FOMO. Like I remember having a conversation with a girl um, back in Byron who didn't drink much and she didn't go to all the parties, but she was so loved by everyone. Mm-hmm. And I always I just said to her, like, how do you do this? Like how do you n- not go to all the parties? And, like, she just mm. said to me, you've just got to get rid of the FOMO. Mm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And I never forgot that, but that's a hundred percent what it is. Yeah. So how do you think you'd go now, say the world opens back up and people are allowed mm-hmm. to travel again and you do come back to the Shire. How, do, how do you think you'll cope? Do I'm you a feel non-drinker. Like, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. There's nothing more to it anymore. Um, I've done the hard part and I'm okay. Like I, the, the, the smell of wine repulses me now. It's, it's so funny. Cause like I gave up meat, um, uh, just over a year and a half ago mm-hmm. and I used to be the biggest meat eater like a steak a couple of times a week you know that was you're such meal. a bloke <laughs> I know <laughs> and uh and now and like I could still s- like be around steak cooking and be like oh that smells so good but eventually that turned into like I can't even be in the same room as it anymore it's disgusting and the same thing happened with wine Uh, I mean, wine was my drink of choice. Obviously I keep talking about wine, but just alcohol in general. Mm. I, um, you know, I would look at a photo of someone having a glass of wine at the beach in Australia and I would just be like, Oh, I don't know if I could handle going back there and not have one. But now I'm like, you put a glass of wine under my nose and I'll probably throw up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think you get to a point too, where it's just like, nah, we're, we're good. You know, no, I'm done. Yeah. yeah, there's no turning back. My big one was Europe. I'm always like, oh, how would I go to Europe and not drink? Scotty, our friend who was in our little group, he had to go on tour mm. and in Europe and they were concerned about that because Europe was where they, they he and his partner Claire had been sober for five months and then he went on tour. She went and they were like, oh, 
you got to drink in Europe. So, and that's sent them back to where they were before they'd even, you know, yeah. drinking just as much as they were before they stopped. When it was coming up time for him to go on tour again, yeah, they just didn't do it. He's just like, and it was yeah. fine. Like we've been there, done that. And I, he said he enjoyed himself there more because he actually got to really enjoy the places that he was seeing yeah. and seeing the sites sober, you take it in more. So yeah, it's interesting how and you I think associate it's, places. It's breaking the habit, the habitual patterns that you know. That's yes. the biggest thing. Like how I said before, we went back to Australia after three months and we drank again and that we went back to drinking, but now um, we've broken that pattern. So yes. we're, we're, we're beyond it. We're, we're done. <laughs> you yeah. know, like we, so we don't need to worry about that anymore. Like I used to be a massive um, sugar addict when I was a kid and a teenager. I remember when I was in the army and we used to go away for six weeks at a time and if we ever left the camp to go to like Coles or whatever, I would buy 50 bucks worth of lollies oh, and shit. I would eat all of them. And I just remember people saying like, you can't eat that much sugar. It's really bad for you. And <laughs> it's like, I knew that, but it didn't matter to me. Like, it's like, I know I'll stop one day. I won't do it all the time, but mm. I, did <laughs> and it was it was the same thing with drinking like I know how bad it is for you I know it's destroying your body I know you know it's destroying your gut health which ultimately is your serotonin and your happiness like I know what it does but I was gonna do it anyway like yeah I just kept saying I'll stop one day or whatever but but until you do you have to really break that pattern you've got to hold yourself accountable and and stop yeah, like you just, just got to stop. Just don't do it. Yeah. Just don't, do it. <laughs> just don't exactly. put it in your mouth. Um, speaking of sugar, because uh, I've talked about this in other podcasts, how did you, how is your thing with sugar now? Because all of us that have quit have, mm-hmm. we eat a lot of sugar and I was never a big sugar. Ash didn't, he hated sugar. He hated sweets. And now we call him Mr. Donuts. Yeah. And then I had a friend call me today and she's like, oh, I'm a month in. And she's like, I'm just eating so much sugar. Um, and cause we're always like, eat the donut, eat the donut, just deal with it later. But what do you think about that? Well, it was an interesting, um, transition for me to become a celiac. So mm. I went from eating whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted without consequence to waking up from my scope where I was diagnosed, being told I was never going to eat certain things again. And hearing that from a specialist who was really concerned about my health, um, mm which was nothing to do with sugar, but I was being told you have to stop eating this now or else. And that was a game changer for me. It taught me discipline. So Mm. from that day, I've never intentionally put gluten in my mouth again. Yeah, it was hard. And I didn't think I could eat anything for the first few months, but I I got used to it and it just ingrained this discipline into me. So, I mean, a lot of um, treats are gluten. So, Mm. I I found the things that I was able to eat and they weren't that yummy. (laughs) So I I, I just, I lost that. And then, so then when I gave up meat, it was easy because I just added a couple more things that I was no longer going to eat. And then I guess when alcohol came along to quit, I I had that discipline already. So I didn't really go to sugar. I'm all, I went to tea. Like I always Mm. loved tea, but the amount of tea that I drink now is ridiculous. (laughs) But it's (laughs) fine. Like it's not going to harm me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Actually, I should up my herbal tea intake. I do drink quite a bit, but 
Yeah, maybe that's the replacement because <laughs> that's it was Ash's birthday um, on the weekend and Father's Day. So yeah, Mr. Donuts just went to town. <laughs> so now we're like, okay, let's. That might be the next step for us, but you know, yeah. we're a few years down the road now, so it's probably time. But anyway, so in closing, if you could go back in time and say, talk to Peter, who's there drinking with the boys. <sighs> Yeah. What would you say to her? I would say you don't have to hide behind this. Um, trust your inner wisdom. Trust yourself. Like trust the process and be nourish and nurture you because I was never doing that. I was I was relying on other people to make me happy and it was right there in my hands the whole time. So mm-hmm. and, and yeah. trust and and this the feminine, right? Right? Like I, I was almost ashamed to to nurture the feminine side because it wasn't strong in my mind, but that's a load of BS. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So trust the process. Um, just love yourself and don't stop trying to prove you're strong. Like be strong by being on your own and, and looking after yourself. That's what I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. I think the greatest strength comes in running your own race and being the captain of your own ship and that's strength, and, yeah. yeah, not trying to sort of keep up with everyone else. Uh, well, thank you so much. Thank you for your time and for sharing your story and love to meet up with you one day in Canada or if you're back in the Shire, look us up. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.